All right, you ready to call Doc? Yep. If you wanna be Whoa! Yo! Whoa, Doc, turn us horizontal. Oh, yeah, hold on. I got to adjust your so, camera here. So you don't just see Stan's fat ass. Whoa, what the fuck, Stan? Well, I guess I didn't adjust that camera. Dennis. Hi. You owe Misha a dollar. Why? There's a swear tax in this house. Oh. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. See, the funny thing. I owe uh, about 80 bucks. <laughs> wow. That's all year, though, which I think for me is a real improvement. Wow. Yeah. Swear tax. All right, well, Doc Parsons, welcome back to Menace and the Man. Thank you, fellas. What's happening? Nothing much. We were just talking about uh, Menace getting back into working out. Yep. What are you weighing now? I actually, so I was in the gym. I have, like, on my layers that I wear at work because it's fucking cold. Oh, shit. Two dollars. <laughs> ah, three. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, one of the amateurs like, how much you weigh? I'm like, shut up. Probably... Not that much. He's like, let's get on the scale. I'm like, what's this, how much does the scale off? Like a pound and a half? Like, yeah. I'm like, all right. So I get on there. And my buddy Hugh, Mc, Hugh McKenna is like, he's on it. He's watching too. So I get on the scale, right? And I'm adjusting. And I'm, I'm like, whoa, this is not good. It was like at like 184. I'm like, no chance my 184. And then Hugh was like, he like couldn't help it. He's like, I was stepping on the scale. I was like, you mother. <laughs> and then when he got on the scale, it went down to 174. Oh, uh, I was wondering maybe you grew, and that explained it. Nah. Well, that was like your walking weight, no? 174? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I feel like you're in good shape at 174. Ah. You, start, you started camps higher than that. Yeah. Yeah, we we started a couple of camps at 180, 170-ish. 180-ish. Yeah. And are you, <laughs> yeah. you haven't trained at all. You work out. Yeah, I try to just lift and do aesthetic stock. You know? Yeah. You put your functional training years in. I think you're good. Ah, the thing is, when I lift with my buddy Rob, he makes me do functional stuff. And I like, you know, I just. But so my back's been jacked up probably because I haven't been stretching and, you know, and my body's like, oh, this is where we want it to be. Like, <laughs> like lock up. And I'm I sit a lot because like we're in trucks or we're in classrooms, yeah. you know, and then maybe just just think about chest and buys. Right. No, and then the, like the 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 logging boots I wear. So it's like my feet. It's like I'm up on like a like high heels kind of. Oh. So my back is so. But since I started lifting and like stretching, we're good. I'm well, yeah, back. I don't want to curse, but yeah, like uh, we had Gray Maynard on the show, and he was like, "Dennis, you're just into bodybuilding s." And then he's like, "Every time I see you, you're just doing bodybuilding stuff." And Menace took a lot of offense to that. He's like, no way. I, everything I do is super functional. <laughs> what, what does that actually mean that you're doing body? Are you not flipping a tire and hitting a sledgehammer today? Well, what does that mean, bodybuilding? Well, bodybuilding is more like you're focusing on... Aesthetics. Like muscles that kind of don't matter by themselves. So like a curl, like, you know, a bench press or like, you know, or, or quad press or something like that where like... Actual functional movement is triple extension or, you know, muscles combining together to get a max results movement, you know? So Olympic lifts and stuff like that. and Fair enough. A little more functional. Than like so are we only going to talk – are we only going to talk about you or are we going to talk about me? No. That was my next question. I was going to cut yeah. Dennis off and be like, so what have you been up to, <laughs> Doc? Fucking, fucking assholes. 
Uh, four dollars, five dollars. Uh, you got Venmo over there? <laughs> yeah. How are you not remembering this? I'm keeping myself calm, not cursing. Uh, you, we curse a lot on this podcast, Doc. So we'll have to control uh, it here. Yeah. So what have you been up to, Doc? Man, we're busy. Bad Guy Inc. is taking off. We're huge, blowing up. I watch Chael every day. Up. So people that don't know, Bad Guy Inc. is the Chael Sonnen and Doc. You're silent in Bad Guy Inc., right? I'm behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm all behind. This is the only shine that I get, this podcast right here. Yeah. Well, well, you're the producer, right? Yeah, so Chael does everything on camera, and I do everything else, pretty much. So Bad Guy Inc. is going well. We're producing a ton of content on YouTube. Um, we are producing Submission Underground for Fight Pass. We have our next event, Submission Underground 10, on December 22nd. Oh, who do you got that night? I know you guys always have big main events. Yeah, Gordon Ryan's on that card. Uh, he's going up against Gonzaga. Ooh. So what? He's Craig, about Jones, Craig Jones is on the card, but we're still waiting to confirm his opponent, which should be today. It was Dean Lister. I think Dean got injured, uh, so now we're waiting to see who's going to step in. When is Gordon versus Bo Nickel? Isn't that this week or next week? I don't know. That's that's a great question. I know it's pretty soon, but these grappling guys are killing it right now because no one is punching them, so they can compete. Yeah. I don't know, ten to, however much you could go wrestle somebody is how right. they can compete, and they're getting paid for it, so good for them. Yes, and we talk about Gordon a lot on this show because he works out with uh, – my old wrestling coach and like Menace's buddy and Menace's old wrestling coach, he Kyle knows, He knows Casey. Oh, you know Kyle Seminara yeah. as well? Yeah. All day. Yeah, everyone in the wrestling community knows him. Well, I, no, he cor- him and Doc cornered me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have clips waiting to upload about Henry Cejudo, Ben Askren, all like these high-level guys that know, D- know Serm by first name or know him as Big Serm. Yeah. So it's like now we have the doc to add into that as well. Some legends in the game know seminar. It's a it's a very small world. You're one half degree of separation from everybody. Dude, yes. hang on, Doc. Do we talk about what Kyle thinks of Ryan Gordon's physique? You always call him Ryan Gordon. Oh, uh, Gordon Ryan. He's Gordon Ryan. Why? What does he think of his physique? What do I think? Right. <sighs> <laughs> Re- refresh my memory I don't know that I've ever met Gordon Ryan Like how is he so ripped uh, Listen that's a loaded question I'm sure he, he's disciplined with his diet And he trains hard yeah. How does everyone get ripped Yeah, yeah. I think you're hinting to Is he taking steroids And I don't know <laughs> I, I know that grappling world I don't think they test in it So I would imagine everyone's geared out of their gore But I am very new to the grappling world and actually, submission underground. I have nothing to do with the grapplers, so yeah. it's all the production side of things. But that's a great question. You probably know better than I do. I listen. To, I just listen to you. With I watch a lot of Chael, and one of the funniest things that like stuck with me, even with Chael, he was like, "You could show me a guy, and I will tell you exactly what he's taken, how much he's taken, how often he's taken it." He's like, "That's who I am. That's how much I know." You know. I mean, listen. It's very common for guys to be using stuff, right? One time I thought Dennis was using it. I sent him a nasty text message. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Hang on, because I was hanging out next to uh, our jiu-jitsu coach, Greg DiBasquale. He, he was on TRT. He just like, you know. You were like, next to TRT Depot. And he was like flexing. And I was, I want to say I was flexing. just. 
Well, no, I was eating good. I was drinking. I, th- I want to say I was going through some, like, shit in my life. I think I was, like, breaking up with a girlfriend or something. So I was, like, constantly in the gym, like, working out. And I was next to Greg, like, equal in size. <laughs> and he knows Greg was taking TRT. He's like, Dennis, there's something you want to tell me? <laughs> Guilt by association. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, hey, Doc, I would tell you, you know. Well, that was my favorite thing, too, that Chael said. Uh, he was like, man, when they busted me, he's like, I'm just happy for the stuff they didn't find. He's like, because I was on everything at that time. I mean, j- drug testing got to the point that it was really more of an IQ test than a, than a drug test, right? Yeah. But if you know you're going to be tested on October 9th at uh, 10 in the morning and you manage to fail that, yeah, yeah, that's an. IQ what are we thing. gonna say, Doc? Have you but paid? Drugs are, drugs are part of sports. Yes, yes, yeah. Doc, have you paid any attention to the PFL? I have not. No. no. So my our our close buddy Chris Wade competes in it, and he, he gets sure. you know he fought, he lost, and he comes and be like, dude, that guy was juiced out of his mind. You know, what yeah. I mean? like one one guy that is in the fight got caught, whatever, but like, he's yeah. like Dennis. Since fighting in the PFL, I only pissed night of competition. <laughs> and he's been in it now for two years. And I was kind of like, well, what are you doing, you idiot? <laughs> like, Listen, if you're not tested, you're incentivized to cheat, right? Right. Then there's the question of a level playing field. Is the assumption that everyone is taking it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. You know, I don't have a whole lot of experience. I did Dan Henderson's um, TRT way back when that was legal. I think he was the maybe the first or second guy to ever get it. And when we did it, I was so paranoid about messing up Dan's career that I spoke to the commission and the UFC before we started. We got him tested, and his levels were very, very low. I mean, off the charts, the wrong direction. So Dan started to take it, and then we would go there twice a week to, um, I think it was Quest Labs. So when it came time for him to go weigh in in the commission, I had a binder of every drug test that he had ever taken since we started, showing that his levels were never above a very moderate average level. He wasn't you know, crazy by any means. And you didn't see a big change in his physique either. He didn't gain a bunch of weight. He wasn't extra ripped. He just kind of... One of the few guys to do it appropriately and just to get balanced. Yeah, Dan always looked the same from, like, his original UFC days to the day he retired. He had the same physique almost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. He, he never varied. But then you have people but like as, Belfort that completely changed. Yeah, I mean, you could see the change in his body from his first appearance to the last. But, you know. And even now. He looks great now again. Yeah, well, he's fighting in one. Cha- he's supposed to be fighting in one championship soon, so he's oh. ba- he's back on whatever he wants to be on. I believe one championship has that drug test the night of, and that's it. Okay. They yeah, are- it's not ter- it's not terribly effective if someone's motivated and and wants to get an edge and doesn't care about any ethical concern about it. If you're only testing the day before the fight, again, it's an IQ test. It's not a drug test. Yeah. But even back to before what I was saying, something that always makes me think of Ryan Parsons whenever I watch Chael. He, Chael always references his producer. Right. He, he, and he, he, he name drops you sometimes, and he'll talk about Ryan Parsons. Like one thing I was talking with Dennis, we were talking about the Pat Cummins story. Yeah. How you found, how you went to the drive, had to go to the drive-in to hand the phone like Dana White to Pat Cummins. 
and he called we that, had we had a small window to make that happen yeah he called that like he said pat cummins had the toughest first fight in the ufc yeah he's in that list yeah well he had it was a if you watch the list you could see how pat's number one you know fighting dc who was pretty much a champion at that point yeah dc came as a as a champion to the ufc yeah but yeah, like, Pat like I really had little. He had very little choice, though. I think he was thirty-three or thirty-four when he went there. No one would fight him out of there. I don't think he had fought in. I'd have to go look, but it had been a meaningful period of time. Yeah. So he's only got four fights. It's like, man, your mid-thirties are coming up here. If this is going to happen, it's going to happen now. Joe Silva wanted him to have ten fights before he got there. Yeah. So Joe Silva, when all this was going on, was was on a plane to Brazil. So I was a little bit concerned he would lay and get a call that Pat's name was in the hat and maybe not want that fight because he didn't express a whole lot of interest. He just thought Pat was too green for it. He, he turned out to be correct. But I was a little bit worried, could we do this deal before Joe's plane landed and he got 20 text messages? I'm sure he had been, you know, first to weigh in on that right. so now pat had really no if he wanted a career in mma that was his opportunity yeah and yeah tough. and sometimes you just have to take those yeah yeah tough debut but even that like he had a, a, a puncher's chance if you will in that fight well nah. hey let me let me throw let me throw dennis into it dennis fought what was his name jimmy rivera to get onto the show right you know there's some of these fights that you they're not meaningful at the time because you don't have any context to who's actually fighting. Right. Like yeah. remember Con Connor and Max Holloway. Right. Oh, it's only Max Holloway. He's a young kid. Well, <laughs> it turns out, no, there's something more to Max Holloway than, you know, just a tough kid from Hawaii. Right, right, right. But you just, this is one of those sports where you have this moment, this opportunity, you just have to step up and do it. And sometimes that works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't, but, you know, at this point, what else are you going to do? Now, I watch young kids around Long Island and, you know, like, yeah, I want to have this many fights before I do this. Or I don't want to fight him now. I want to fight him later. I'm like, dude, I like my when I started fighting. And that's why I was the first pick was like, I don't give a fuck. Like either. Well, actually, I thought I was better than everybody. <laughs> and I yeah. and I fought that way. And I. I competed that way. It wasn't like, well, I'm not quite ready yet. I just attacked everything full force. But I watched people try to protect people or not. I'm like, if you're going to be champion one day, you're going to be champion one day. And I do believe there is – there's definitely some levels you want to do it smart. But sometimes I watch people being cradled too much. Like, at the end of the day, it's just a fucking fist fight. Yeah. Well, even we talked about that in your fighting career, how Doc was also – we didn't even reference that too much as Doc was your manager – how you guys would sit down and say, this is the route we kind of want to go. Ideally. But you would fight anyone. Right. Yeah, like you were game to fight anyone, but you yeah. got, you had like options and people you'd maybe want to avoid or only have to fight them if it was out of necessity. Right. Like I remember the Clay Guida call. You were like, I mean, this isn't like, I, I don't like, this is a fight we have to do. Like it's not, you know, it is what it is. Like if we could avoid them, it'd be awesome. But like we just got to do this one. All right, let's go. Chael said it perfectly. He always wants to fight the weakest guy for the most amount of money. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's yeah. the smartest thing you could do, 100%. We get it. You're tough. You fight in a cage. Let's find the passive least, least resistance right. until we get there. But, but you know, you could, 
There was that, for me personally, there was like a point where that changed. Yeah. And it's like after your first loss, or maybe for me it was like after after my first loss in the UFC that that changed, which would which it was actually the Brandau, or you're talking no, about Lavis, the winning streak. Like, the winning streak. Yeah, there yeah. was a, an age where like before that I wanted to fight the best and prove myself and whatever. And that's exactly what the UFC wants. They want the most baddest motherfucker to fight for the least amount of money yeah. <laughs> at the highest level. Yeah. And then there becomes a point where you're like, you know, you lose. You're like, ah, way more money is way but, better than being a champion. But yeah. there's also – there's an element, too, of timing, right? Like I read this article with um, – I'm drawing blank his name. Uh, Bezos, Amazon. Jeff who Bezos. Who said, hey, listen – as, as, as great as this company is, if I tried to start Amazon today, it would never work. So there's this element of timing that gets mm. involved. Take Pat, for instance. Could Pat's career have been different if he started at, you know, 22 instead yeah, of 30? Yeah, 1 million percent. Yeah, but you can't live your life like that. We don't We don't get to connect the dots looking backwards. Yeah. You know, we're, we're presented with these opportunities. We, we prepare as best we can for them, make the best choice in the moment. And then deal with whatever consequences come, good or bad. But yeah. most people, here's the problem. When that happens, most people, their feelings are hurt so bad or the level of disappointment is so great that then they then they go try to make excuses and tell a story about why it didn't end up like that. Instead of kind of owning what it was. Right. Like Dennis was great. I believe that there was a time that you were the number one or two in the world. Yeah. Right. And I think by the time you got to face those guys, we found out that you ended up, what, about four or five, something like that? I got the six. All right, there you go. So six. I mean, that's an amazing accomplishment, but you have two ways to do it. Like, I know a guy, a friend of Chael's, I won't say his name, but has an Olympic silver medal. And in his, in his own eyes, he's a failure because he didn't come home with the gold medal. It's like... And then there's Michael Phelps, who walked home with, what, 22 gold medals? And afterwards, he wanted to commit suicide. Yeah. So the, this thing that if my dreams had to come true in the way that I thought or hoped they would, then I wouldn't have any problems. Then I'll be happy, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't actually work like that, though. The, I think we go. The thought yeah. of a, a dream or goal is, I, I feel, more heartfelt and means more than when you actually achieve it. Yeah. I mean, th there are to certain degrees. Like, for example, like, for me, getting UFC at one point was like, man, like, that would be really cool. But along the way to getting to it, it's like, no, this is going to happen as expected. But when, sometimes we see these guys become world champions. Like, I think if I was ever world champion, I don't think I would have, I mean... Thinking of the idea of becoming a world champion, I would probably drop down to my knees and cry and like, oh, this is awesome. But actually doing it, I'd probably be like, yep, knew we were going to do that. Like, high five. Let's go get wasted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's next after that moment? What's better, planning the vacation or the vacation itself? The vacation itself, I would think. Maybe. Or that, a that's a tough one. It. Or I guess yeah. Now, yeah, I guess planning it could be good too because in the vacation, the, an, the anticipation of it all, right? Yeah, the build up to everything. Like, how many girls, Stan, have you been upset with? Like after you had sex with them? Like, ah, <laughs> oh, I just wish they would leave. Every other weekend. <laughs> Most of the time. Actually. But before they get to the the Stan cave, you're like, oh, this is <laughs> this, this is gonna, gonna be, be awesome. awesome. <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. 
Uh, Dennis, the one thing I always give you credit for is you're one guy who didn't seem to hold on to any stuff that didn't happen. It was always about moving forward with you. I really respected that. Well, I mean, in wrestling, that was you. You were losing. I mean, for me personally, I was losing on like a almost a bi-weekly, weekly, you know. But like, you gotta like fucking next guy. Or in a tournament, like I've seen this guy, you've seen this guys. They would lose in a tournament, and like they're not coming back and getting third. They'll take like fifth. They're the one seed. They check out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Where I was never me. I could be like you know I've, I talk about this all the time. I'm, if I'm playing football, I'm losing forty nine to seven, and there's one minute left. I'm still trying to kill that guy before he scores another, scores another touchdown. Like that's just. I don't know. But you define you define a maybe the most important element of success, right? Which is grit. It's not IQ. It's not experience. It's not connections. It's grit. That's why Michael Bisping became champion. Yeah. No one in their right mind would have said that this guy would have done it, but he was just such a gritty guy who wanted it more than anything. And no matter what, I mean, be honest, how many fighters come back after what Dan Henderson did to him at UFC 200? How many guys come back? Yeah. And not only that, he came back and said, I want to fight Dan again. I mean, he's just a different guy. But I think those people who do have grit, who no matter what happens, find a way to pick themselves up and keep forward. In the day, it means nothing. Over an extended period of time, you're living a dramatically different life. Yeah. And I'm fortunate now that I've been able, I'm a little bit older. So I've been able to see an MMA now, like four generations of guys go through. Yeah, And you see the same pattern. If you've seen it this much, you'd be foolish not to recognize some patterns in it. But you see these same patterns over and over again. Yeah. And the and guys who... Go ahead. And I, like, off of what you're saying is, like, I wonder if Gregor Gillespie will... If that's, if that's him or not. Well, me and you talked about this. We didn't know what would really happen once Gregor lost. Because he doesn't, he's like a wrestler. He doesn't like fighting. You know, he's similar to like Ben Askren almost, and yeah. he, the way you are. Like he's a wrestler at heart. He's just into fighting because he's really fucking good at it. Right. Naturally, from being such a good wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, we have to get Gregor so, on. Well, that's asking. just like, hang on, no, that's just something that we. I mean, we get on here and talk to him till the cows come home, and like you will never know until he competes again. Yeah. That you know, I mean, that's something. So what would you think about one thing we wanted to ask you, Doc? What would you think of uh, Ben Askren stepping away from the sport? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Ben's just such a competitive guy. I think he probably realized that, hey, a title is not there for me. That's what I'm here for. Right. And he's fortunate to be a guy who's got other things going on in his life. Yeah. So if the only thing you have is fighting and how many people liked your Instagram post, when you're done fighting, you are in for a rough, rough transition. Yeah. If you're a guy who's got other interests and this has a bit broader perspective on life, which Ben does, yeah, I mean, she's talking about something to be proud of. That that guy did everything. He's got a uh, what's it? Bitcoin. He's got like a Bitcoin podcast. He does. Yeah, he's got a Bitcoin, a wrestling podcast, a Bitcoin podcast, and an MMA podcast. And a wrestling school, and you know all the yeah, other yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. And even I just saw I, he bought like a new location. He's opening up either his second or his third wrestling school. Yeah. So, yeah, he's doing. No, but like but like me and you have talked to subliminally and like I talked to Stan about like the main reason why I retired is just like off those bullshit losses. Like, man, where I am at, why I'm actually here is fucking 
a minimal two years away. Like, and I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not into two years. Yeah. Like I want it now and I want to hang on to it for two years. You used up your rounds. Right. Every fighter's got so many rounds. Right. And I feel like that's probably how Ben Askren processed it. He's like, ah, shit. I came in here. I was almost the one, number one contender. Now I'm. He's a little bit in a different yeah, ballpark like, because, like you talk about, there could just be like the timing thing. Because when Michael Bisming fought for a title, what was he number eight or nine or something like that? Yeah. Well, he got the fight on two weeks' notice against Rockhold. Yeah, right. He was able to take it. Yeah. But even Ben, had Ben beat Masvidal, he probably would have cut Colby. I agree. And got the shot at Usman. I agree. Maybe maybe four years ago, Ben was better. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard people say that, too, that Ben just got there a little too late and too much wear and tear on his body. And then I heard Ben even say in an interview, he was only able – was he, I don't know. Even when he was talking to us, he said he could only really train, like, once a week. He couldn't really train, like, as efficiently as he needed to to compete at that level because of his hip or whatever injuries he had going on. Yeah, that, that's a real thing, right? Yeah. Did, did the time work out for you? In this case, no. But then there's some guys like John Jones. Who's better, John Jones at the end of 2019 or John Jones at the end of 2013? Yeah. And like 2013 let, probably so, kicks 2019's ass. Off of yeah, but John was, just, John was just so far ahead of everybody, even though when he came down, he was still better. So Some now, guys, if you're, if you're just a little bit better and then you, you kind of slip a little bit or your body peaks, you start heading south, and then you find those losses come up. Do you still talk to Dan Henderson at all? Yeah, we we text the other day, but I haven't seen him in maybe, I don't know, a year or two, something like that. We live in different places, so. Well, he's got one of his guys or a guy who trains at his gym is about to fight John Jones next, Dominic Reyes. I didn't know he trained. I thought he was with uh, Joe Stevenson. He's with Joe Stevenson, but then he goes to Dan's Team Quest gym and does a lot of his work there with, like, Sam Alvey, and he spars Dan Henderson. He said he spars Dan on the regular still. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. All right, there you go. You know more than I do. Yeah, like, we had him on the show. He was actually the first on the first episode of Medicine the Man, and then we've had him on a few times, but he was telling us how one time he took an H-bomb and was like, bro, you just H-bombed me. And then Dan Henderson just like, you know, looked, saw, looked at him sideways like, you motherfucker, you, how you still standing, you know? Dan Dan knocked me out once. He hit me on the chin. And apparently I made a sound that a man shouldn't be proud of making. <laughs> and then when I get up with my headache, he looks right at me and goes, I barely hit you. <laughs> like, come on, man. What are you doing? You're supposed to say, I have never hit anyone like that. Can't believe you. I mean, no, you don't tell you I barely hit you. Uh, that's, but that's like, the, especially at, at the at the age when he hit you, that was like, that's like the most manly thing you can say. Like, I barely even tapped you, bro. Like, come on, like, stop. <laughs> yeah, you just shouldn't say those things to the guy you just knocked out. Uh, well, that's something that Menace has told me that you told him because you're a chiropractor as well. Or you were a chiropractor in your former life, right? I was. And you, he said, uh, you said Dan Henderson's like one of the hardest individuals you've ever worked on. Yeah, it's funny. The, the two guys I worked on most in that phase of my career, like the late 90s and into the 
early mid two thousands was Dan and Randy. So obviously Randy's heavyweight, Dan's, you know, wherever Dan was, middle light heavyweight. Dan would be five times the effort. Yeah. I've never felt to this day muscle tissue as he has no fun. He can barely touch his shins bending over. He has zero <laughs> flexibility. His body's been a wreck since he was about 19, but he just has these, like I think his dad had a 550 pound bench press, totally clean. His sister at 14 or 15 could hit a golf ball, 300 yards. Whatever genetic, I would love to see a genetic muscle test. We got to get him to Pete. With- we got to get him to uh, Andy. Galpin. Yeah, let Dr. Galpin take a chunk of muscle out and figure out what is in the Henderson DNA. But I've, in my whole career, and I had, as a chiropractor, you know, I have my hands on thousands of people. I'd never felt anything like that. And you also said that's maybe a reason why he never got hurt is because he had no mobility to, like, you know, to burn your shoulders. Got to go he, back here. Just wouldn't go. Just he he did he did get hurt though. He tore his ACL. He had shoulder surgery. Oh, okay. Like in the wrestling stage of it. The only guy I know who's never really experienced an injury. I, I'm not sure Chael has. Peter Graham. Do you know Peter? K1 fighter, yep. fought in yep. Bellator, big head. And he fought at a high level of striking for, I think, 22 years and never sustained an injury. And what do you, what are you calling an injury? Like, have I, I mean, ever had an injury? Yeah, you injured your elbow before the finale of yep. the Ultimate Fighter. Which, hang on, you had which to... was eight years ago today. Was it really? It was December 3rd. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, that's how we kicked off the show. He said eight years ago today, Diego Brando almost broke my arm. <laughs> almost snapped my arm. In well, head. my arm was broken going into the fight. Yeah. That, you, you should not have taken that fight. Yeah, we, but, were, we were at the orthopedic doctor the day before weigh-ins. Yeah, on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like, we could do this, and like you won't feel anything, and it'll just be whatever. Or there's like... There's like a third of a chance that it could blow up and like you won't be able to move your arm. We're like, not rolling the dice. Let's let's do it. Let's just not do it. Oh, why well, he was going to inject you with like cortisone or something? I think so. Yeah. Hey, you're never going to be ready, but it's at some point it's your turn, right? Yeah. Like call your name. You either go make that walk or not. You make it. Oof. Yeah, that was a tough one. Well, it was the first, like, official fight. So, like, I had, I don't know. Well, I called him when it happened. When my arm got, like, really badly wrecked by Davidius, uh, I say his last name? Taurus Avicus. Yeah. I believe. Who was, like, a, a fucking monster in the WC back in the day. Yeah, and he was underrated. He never really, he, the thing with him was, remember the old days of the UFC, Doc, when. He was jo- WEC. No, I'm saying even oh. in the old days of the UFC, when Joe Sova would call you on a week's notice, and if you didn't take the fight, you went to the bottom of the list. So he called up Davidius and was like, you want to fight Chad Mendez at a catch? Because he was going to fight Chad Mendez at 145. And they offered him, I think, like a catch weight at 150 or whatever and like six days notice. And he didn't take the fight. So that's why he never got his mm. UFC shot. But he was solid, a very solid pro. Anyway, so he hyperextends my elbow with, I think, an arm bar. Bad. I finished out four more rounds with him. The next morning I wake up my elbow. I think I FaceTimed you. And it was purple and it was... This big. And I was like, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, we're not going to call UFC yet. <laughs> Let's just see yeah, he was what a, we can do. He was one of those guys who almost like hurt his training partners. No, I'm talking about Doc. No, I'm saying even oh, the videos. Yeah, yeah, one of those I know guys that, that yeah. used to hurt his training partners. Yeah. 
Yeah. Those guys are out there. So, Doc, we got some upcoming fights happening. But, you know, so there's Max Holloway versus Alex the Great. Who wins? The, is that his fight Alex name? Volkanovsky. That's his nickname. Yeah, is yeah. it the Great? Who wins that fight, Doc? Yeah, I, I, I can't bet against Max Holloway at 145 pounds. I th- and I wouldn't this time around either. I think his reach is too much. I think his experience is too much to overcome. I just don't know the pathway to him getting beat. Well, something that was pointed out to me is they obviously have different body types, but Volkanovski has a longer reach than Max. Somebody did say that. Olive. But, yeah, but, but hang on. Does you really know that? No, I looked it up. It, they, he has a longer reach, but it's also different body types. So Volkanovski probably has a wider back and long arms where— But he's ho- way short. Where Holloway's all arms. He's like 5'6". He's a lot shorter than Max, but he's got longer reach. I think he's got a two-inch reach. Yeah, but what about, kick, what about kicking reach, too? Right. Kicking reach as well is probably Max's. I think actual reach, like if they stood fist-to-face like like that, I think Max would win that, but Volkanovski has a wider back probably. Oh. Yeah, so they have different uh, body types. Well, no, I mean, the mo- like, I feel like recently Max doesn't kick that much. No. He kicked me a lot. But I feel like in generally he doesn't like as of late since he's been champion he doesn't, he actually like just a lot of hands almost like the Diaz brothers. Uh, he kicked Frankie a little bit. I mean a little bit obviously, yeah. but I would say the mass majority of his of his strikes are via punch. No. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Doc, I just hang on. I want Max to win because that makes me look better. Yeah, of course. I feel like his time might be up. I think Do this you? guy. I think this guy's a problem. How does he beat him? This guy's just fucking. He's like a little Tasmanian devil. I think if anything, does the Tasmanian devil aspect. I think Max is going to win, but I could see Volkanovski giving him problems with like the Dustin Poirier type of style. I like singles and doubles versus okay, swinging okay, triples okay. and home runs. Max knocks people out just volume, just bah, 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 like bang. I think Volkanovski. Am I saying that correct? Volkanovski. Yeah. I think he has like two punch, like sleep you power. Yeah. Or at least can catch you and rock you to change the fight power. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Maybe, maybe the one uh, curiosity is the Max took a lot of damage, right? Right. So where's where's his head at? How many rounds has he used up? All the stuff we talked about with you. Does it apply here? I'm still not going for it. All right, so you're going Max. I'm going Max. And then what? what's the other one we got? Duran Domain versus uh, Nunes. Do you think anyone's no. going to beat Amanda Nunes anytime no soon? No, she's amazing. Yeah. Mean, strong, tough. Got a head for fighting like no one else. I couldn't be a bigger fan of hers. Yeah, I'm a big I just had to ask because obviously it's one of the other fights on the card. You know what it is? She's, she's so likable, too. Yeah. I don't know if she's a more likable person. When someone puts a camera in her face, the smile she has, her likability, that's going to earn her a lot of money. Not just not just her skills in the octagon. On a one on a personal, in-person, she has this, like... Because I remember right before she became champion... You know, hey Amanda, like man, I love your fighting style. She's like, I like your fighting style. I was like, or she might have already you, been the champion. You, I was like, you what? know who I am? You know who I am? <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, I like yours. I was like, you're the champion. I'm <laughs> yeah, she has that it factor for sure. Yeah, yeah, but one thing I've noticed is like fighters, like real fighters, know Dennis Bermudez. 
Like, we've had a lot of guys on the show that say, oh, no, I'm a fan of yours, Dennis. And you've almost been like, you know who I you, 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 You've seen me fight before? What fight? You're so modest, Dennis. I like it. And then they'll be like, you versus Mac Rice, my favorite fight ever. Or you versus, you know. I hated that fight. Yeah. Oh, the Grice one? Uh, every minute I hated it. Yeah, that was a tough one. Can we just get this over, please? Yeah. And now a big fight that's definitely on your radar, because I'm pretty sure you know both guys through the fighting world, Usman mm-hmm. versus Covington. Who do you think takes this one? I don't know Colby personally, uh, but Usman, he was on – we brought him as a, a guest um, – not a guest, as a coach on The yeah. Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. Yes, we talked about that the last time you had him on. Uh, last time we had you on, you and Usman – we're in Menace's corner for his first UFC fight. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Man, I couldn't be happier for him. He's so talented. I mean, you knew back then. I think the first time he he ever threw, you know, hit mitts, he looked like he'd been doing it for a year. It was just undeniable. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, you, you got this. Now, you never know, right? You got to put some. I think he had an early loss, right? He had one loss. He lost by armbar before I, no, he I, got to I, the UFC. I think he lost by rear naked choke. Yeah, so the fact that early on, someone with his athletic ability, his, you know, pedigree in wrestling goes, takes a loss, and then says, I'm, I'm going to keep going here, and finds his, himself to a title. And his title performance was yeah. outstanding. Yeah. I mean, just couldn't have been any better. So this is going to be a great fight. I'm hoping that this is a fight to really put his name over the top that everyone really knows about him because yeah. he deserves it. Yeah, I agree. Now, one thing about Usman and, 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 and you know, it is he loves the cameras. He loves the spotlight. Like he doesn't, I think for, for Pat against DC that like took half of his performance was just like, Oh shit. Like this is real. Like the spotlight, the, the hot lights and whatnot, you know, yeah. 20 interviews, Marty, like he like. Yeah, yes, me big, you know, like he puts on the outfit. He, he, yeah, he dresses up for the occasion. He like he basks in it. He what, likes. What is it. that called? The dashiki, the whole outfit. It's I like don't the, know. You know the dress, the suit, whatever it's called. No, but you're right though. That you never know what's how someone's gonna respond to uh, pressure. Yeah. But Colby seems like he loves that as well. I agree. Well, this is why they're both fighting for the belt, right? I mean, yes. we weeded out everyone who isn't there. In love with these two animals. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. But if I'm if I'm betting, I like uh, I like Marty on this one. Do we? What are the odds on that fight? Oh, I might check them. But I mean, I think that's one of those fights. Like probably fifty fifty. No. I would think it's really close. Yeah, I, w- I would go Usman too. I just think he does a really good job with his range and stuff like that. And I think if you get in his face, which is what I think Kobe's going to do, he can grind there too. It's not like if you get too close with him, he can, like, he'll shut down, you know? I'm curious to see who's going to be the one pressing because they're both pressure fighters. So it's like who's going to be the one to take that back step and get backed up to the cage? Yeah. My guess is that will be – I think Colby will press forward a little bit harder starting out. I agree. I just – just he seems a little antsy and, like, he, that's kind of what he's going to do. Yeah. So that'll be – Marty's challenge to use his footwork and his reach. But and... nobody gets – no one gets slept or submitted in the fight, right? It's – someone's getting – it's going to be a grinder. You know, I don't know. Marty's ground and pound is very good. You could see a TKO. 
Yeah. If you have two guys coming in real hard, someone could get caught moving into a punch. I mean, in any fight, could. Would I bet this goes to a decision or a finish? I would go decision. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm leaning towards Covington. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting a little feedback on our end. I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know either. But, yeah, I'm leaning towards Covington. I just feel like he's just going to have a little bit better cardio. He's going to back Usman up. I want Usman to win, but I just feel like it's a tough fight for him. Tough fight for both guys, but, yeah. Is Conor versus Cerrone a joke? I don't think so at all. I think it's actually a pretty good matchup. I think it sets Conor up to... Either stay at 170 and fight Masvidal or... Is the fight going to be at 170? Yeah. Because yeah. Cerrone's been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I'd assume it was Connor that was like, they want where you want this fight, 55? He was probably like, no, nah, 170. Huh. And I actually thought this, when I as soon as I saw that, I was like, man, that's just setting it up for... All right, it, after I beat Cowboy, get that Masvidal fella who said I was too small. Yeah. And, like, you'll attest to this, Doc. You know how, like, a lot of fans will say, like, oh, no, no, he's afraid. He's afraid. Like, people were like, Usman and Covington, they're afraid of each other. Uh, Woodley's afraid. Like, all these guys are the most alpha of alphas, top five in the world. There's no chance they're afraid of anyone. Like, they think yeah. they're the baddest guy on the planet. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, it's the, the guys who are in there at that level – they beat up the toughest guy that you know, the guy that beat him up, the guy that beat him up, the guy that beat him up. <laughs> That's how good these guys are. Yeah. You think of the toughest guy that you know, and he, he got his ass kicked five times over. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Most people have no idea what that's like. They really don't. Like, I even think of Connor. Remember that one picture or the video at the one, I forget what UFC it was, when Woodley walked past him and he like eyed Woodley up and down and then Woodley oh, turned and was and like he was saying like I'm coming for your belt right he didn't say that but he was like Woodley walked in and said oh hey man what's up and Connor just didn't even answer him and kept grilling him and then Woodley like stopped looked up at him and was like I said what's up and Connor went yeah what's up what's up and then just watched him the whole time and then he walked off and then the next day was when there's video of... He said he's going to have the 45, the 55, and he's going to get the 70. Well, Woodley took out his phone and started recording Connor like fighting with someone, I think Khabib or someone, and then he started screaming at Woodley like, look at you, you little bitch with your phone, with your little <laughs> camera phone. And that's, you know, a guy 15, probably 30 pounds bigger than you. Right, a and, muscle. Yeah, and he didn't care at all. <laughs> so, like, that's how I see it. Like, what's his name? Masvidal saying he's too small. He's like, all right, I'll show you I'm too small. I'm going to fight Cowboy at 170, then I'm coming for you. I think you're right on the money there. Yeah. What is Mazadal's? Because me and Stan have talked about this a few times. Like, there's the Connor fight. There's the Nate rematch. There's the title fight. Like, what's, what's his best path? Because if he loses the Nate fight or the Connor fight, title fight's out. Right? It would be wait for the title, get the title, and then have these super fights for the title. No? I don't know. You, you could argue this in two ways. I mean, he's he's top three biggest stars in the UFC right now. Did one of these mega fights do more 
for him as far as exposure and money that yes. than a title does. And the title's a tough fight. He that I don't even think that's a concern. That guy's here to get paid right now and deserves every penny of it. Yeah. I, I've never known why that guy hasn't been more popular. I He's agree. Been one of my favorite fighters for a year. You just know when he walks in the room, you have to pay attention to that guy. Yeah. You yeah. just know he's he's different. I've been a huge fan of his fears. Like we had, we went to Florida and we had Mike Brown on the show, and that was something that we talked to Mike Brown about. Is we have no idea why the UFC didn't jump behind him earlier. Well, him smacking Leon Edwards is what sent him over the top. No, um, no, him knocking out Ben Askren, I think, is what sent him over. No, the top. No, no, I think before the, the two piece in the biscuit that went viral. Yeah, I guess so. But even that's a fight that's out there for him too. I I forget what I was watching. It might have been Chael. Or it was someone who was watching a Masvidal interview, and they were saying how it might have been the the Brendan Schaub show where he sits and eats with people. Right. And he said the best thing for Masvidal would actually be to just go for the money fight and let Leon Edwards fight for the title. Because if Leon Edwards wins, then that's a huge fight. Yeah. Him versus Leon Edwards finally settle in their backstage beef. Yeah, but Doc, will Leon Edwards ever get a title fight? He's not. He would have to just keep winning, and obviously he'll get the title fight then. But he's not. A super marketable guy. The only thing he has marketing behind him is that he's British. His beef with no, his beef with fucking, and he's British, so he's like uh, they could yeah. sell him to the UK market. Yeah, I to me that guy's got a lot of potential. He just hadn't he didn't didn't have his moment yet. Right. But he's strung eight fights together in one of the hardest divisions in the sport. Yeah, he's fun and exciting to watch. I think he called out Woodley. So he's like, hey, you're an English kickboxer, a British kickboxer who's now calling out a collegiate All-American who was also dominant in that weight division and had the belt. I like that guy. I think that there's just too much happening right now yeah. with that weight class to shine a light on everybody. You just kind of got to wait to see who gets lucky with timing, who has a performance that catches on. You know, Where would Don Masvidal be if Nate didn't call him out that night? Right. Yes, and Leon Edwards is actually young, too. I'm looking at him now. He's only 28. So Yeah, wow. that guy is... Very, very talented. So in that division, there's just so many, kind of like 155. There's so many fights to make. Like, sometimes you just got to wait and see how it shakes out. And he's got some big wins. He's got a win over Vicente Luque, a win over Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson, Dos Anjos. Right. But all decisions. So I guess that's like maybe, if anything, that's his only thing why the UFC is not giving him yeah, you have to be starching fools, and then they're like, yeah, we like this guy. And then he has a decision. His last loss is a decision loss to Usman, unless you're going to count the backstage altercation with Masvidal. He, <laughs> he definitely took an L in that situation, too. <laughs> but, yeah, he's in the mix. So, um, yeah. I think, like Doc said, I think the best thing for Masvidal would be the money fight next, which would be Connor or actually Nick Diaz, which they're talking about possibly doing. Now, what's the deal? What's Nick Diaz? Again, we talk about timing. That clock is ticking, my friend. Like, what? how much longer can he hold out and not fight? Well, he has the he has the uh, the benefit of a brand behind him. His name, the Diaz brothers. So he, I don't think he's fought for four or five years, right? Right. Yeah, he hasn't fought since 2015. Oh, real quick, Doc, before you continue, I know we talk about brand, and what made me think of this is Nate, the spotlight's on him. He's like, yeah. I'm part of the Nick Diaz, like, army. army. And I was like, dude, you're, like, the spotlight's on you. Like. Yeah, it's that Diaz brothers. There's just something I'm about I'm not that. mad at it. I'm not mad, but I was just like, what? I just, okay. 
cool. Like, yo, that's some dope, like, brother love. Yeah. And I also think it's like, yo, UFC, like, you guys are, the spotlight's on me, but, like, this is the dude. Like, get this guy on, too. Yeah. Well, even when I did the, when I went to the press conference, that's the question I asked Nate, is I was like, Nate, can we get Nick in your corner for this fight, or what's the chance we can get him in your corner? And that was, like, the one of the loudest crowd eruptions. Yeah. And then even at the weigh-ins, he they were like, what's your thoughts on this fight? He was like, I don't even care. I got the greatest fighter in the world, Nick Diaz, with me right here. Right. So he's like, you know, it's his big brother. So, I mean, back to Nick's uh, brand. What about We it? cut him off. I cut him off bad. Yeah, well, you, you asked how long how long did he sit right. out? Is he going to come back and have 10 more fights? I can't imagine that. He's going to challenge for a belt. I can't imagine that either. It's probably one or two more. So he has this mystique about him. He has that Diaz Brothers brand name behind him. He's got what Nate's doing. I mean, Nate went from not having a fight in three years to being a huge star, fighting and selling out Madison Square Garden. So could Nate, Nick could come back and do that for one or two? Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think that's all That's all it is. Right. Yeah, like I think if the UFC is smart, like we've talked about this on the show, they give Masvidal either Connor or Nick or Nick and that builds if he beats both of them, which I think he does, that builds him into a bigger star. The flip side of that coin is if Nick Diaz wins, then Nick Diaz is back on the map in a big way. And if Connor wins, then Connor's fucking Jesus. You know, he's walking on water. He's like the guy again. Uh, yeah, yeah. The beginning there will be interesting to see Connor's performance, how that plays out. Does Nick come back and does he face Masvidal? There's a lot of fun things to look forward to. Because there's only a few guys that could sit out for that amount of period and still be relevant and still, you know, hop right back into the huge mix, which I'm sitting here outside like, I don't know. I don't think you deserve that. I don't think you – like, yeah, before you left, you deserved it. But, like, now you're – like – And you're talking about Nick. You need to to dust off a little dust before – Hey, listen, it's the Brock Lesnar argument, right? Right, right. Some people are just, their name is, if Rhonda came back today, she's not going to yep. come back in an amateur fight, right? I mean, a, uh, right. prelim. A, a prelim fight. Right. So he's just one of the guys that has that to trade on. And, Good for uh, him. Who am I talking to? Because it's not like these guys are like geniuses. Like, all right, here's how we're going to play this. Here's how we're going to do this. It's just like they fell in shit. Yeah. It's the way they fight. It's the way they talk. And people are like. I like him, like, but when you really break it down, like, I, see, he actually might be mentally retarded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of my philosophies. I love the Diaz brothers, but people always say like, oh, they're not from the best area. So I'm sure the school system where they're from is not that good. I think both yeah. of their educations aren't the best. Like, I don't think either one of them graduated from high school. But then even like if you're going to get into the CTE conversation, Nick's been beating Nate up since they were little kids. So I'm sure he's got a couple of, you know, a couple of marks on his brain or something. But they've been smoking marijuana forever, which is great for the brain. Right, Doc? This is true. You're asking loaded questions. I'm not <laughs> sure I have an answer to any uh, of it. Well, no, I mean, the CBD is in marijuana, which is great for. Uh, or helps the brain a little bit, possibly. Some people. Great anti-inflammatory effects. Doc, do you think I think that far ahead that I'm loading up questions on you? <laughs> <laughs> You're spur of the moment. So even we asked about Connor Cowboy. Did we say who we think is going to win that uh, fight? No, he just said it was a good fight. Good fight. Uh, I, I will take Connor in that fight. 
Yeah. I will I too. I think you'll have a speed advantage. But it'll be interesting to see him back. You know, how's his body held up? How's he been living? There's a lot of questions. What will his weight be I mean, when by, that fight happens? By the looks of it, he's been living a party lifestyle, training a little bit, but a party lifestyle, drinking a lot of proper 12. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see how he comes back. But I think even it'll go back to when they had words years ago and what Connor saw in him then. You know, he was he called Cerrone. He was like, I'll break you like a board. I'll snap you in half, you know? <laughs> He was like, you're stuck in the mud. You're in slow motion. And he was ready to fight Connor back, uh, Cowboy back then. So, it, Cowboy have, has a lot of mileage on him, too. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't look like like his last few performances. I'm like, man, he starts out a little slower than he used to. But I feel like he starts to pick it up. And Where Connor's a quick starter. This is true. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a rough fight with Gaethje that he had. Yes. And even I think Gaethje is a whole other problem animal. Like, even I think Gaethje would give Connor some problems if Connor can't catch him early. You know, th there's examples of fighters who aren't the same after one fight. Yes. They just go get into it. There's a guy in Pride. I don't want to say his name, but there's a guy in Pride pretty well known. He, he went up weight class, fought. He's like, yeah, you are never the same after. I'm not sure you ever fought again. You can take such a beating that it's like, all right, your time is up. Yes. So here, we're, hope... we've had you for a minute, Doc. Before we let you go, another huge fight that was booked is Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. Yeah. How do you see that one going? Man, it's so hard to bet against uh, Khabib. That being said, Tony's a very unique guy. Yeah. His wrestling's different. His ground game's different. You know, his aggression and his cardio is striking. It's very interesting. Yeah, like, if you ask me who I would pick, I'm I'm gonna go with the undefeated guy, but I'm I wouldn't put any money on it. I'm going the totally opposite way. I think Khabib grabs him, throws him to the ground, and he's not moving. That's it. Yeah, I I feel like this will be Khabib's hardest fight. Yeah, agreed. I don't. I think where everyone else that Khabib grabbed, threw down, got on top of him, they panicked and just focused on standing up. And Khabib was like, nope, now this is my world. I'm just going to bring you back to the mat. I'm going to grab your wrist. I own that wrist. I think Tony's going to close his guard, start elbowing him. And then the second Khabib pops up, Tony might pop up and he's going to make it a scramble. And then, so who would we see just almost guillotine? Uh, Dustin Poirier, just almost guillotine Khabib. There's no better front headlock series in MMA than Tony Ferguson. The other thing, too, is does, does Tony move and keep his back off the cage? Yes. Because I don't think of the open, uh, Habib takes him down. No. Like, you, watch, you can watch the Al Quinta fight and a few fights. Like, mm -hmm. I think he took Al down once in the open mat. But even Connor, he had a little bit of trouble in the open mat taking Connor down. He had trouble taking Al Quinta down in the open mat. He couldn't take uh, T-Bow down because he couldn't clasp his hands. Like, all Khabib's takedowns are off the cage, or majority of them, 99%. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are a few people that can run a guy across the cage in a double leg. Yeah. Josh Koscheck. Not Khabib, though. Right. Like, I remember we talked, we had Sean Bunch on the show, and we asked Sean Bunch how Khabib's wrestling was. Like, could he be on the world team? And he was like, 
No, hell no. <laughs> hell no, he couldn't be on the world team. His wrestling's not that good. You know? Like it's wrestling. Bunch is right, though. His cage wrestling is better than anybody's. Yes. I don't. Any any wrestler who's ever competed, your cage is not as good as Habib's in the open. There's a reason why he didn't make a Russian national team. It's That's not his super strength. His was. We had this discussion with TJ Dillashaw that about finding your sport, right? Like TJ was a decent college wrestler, but you know whatever bring his name up as a star in college wrestling. But he became world champion in MMA. Habib's one of those guys who grew up. He told me personally in a sauna in Brazil that his mountain village of 2,000 people had seven world or Olympic champions. Yeah, wild. You look at Dagestan, there's less than 3 million people who live there. The city where they live, Makachkala, I don't, I don't know how to say it properly, that has less than 500,000 people who live there. And if you look at who makes a Russian national team, it's everyone from right there. Nowhere else in Russia. A guy or two. You look at the amount of those guys who have world and Olympic medals. I don't think there's a greater concentration of tough guys than Dagestan. I don't know what they're doing over there. Is it culture, genetics, lifestyle? But whatever it is, that's a scary group. So Habib grew up in that area, and his specialty was wrestling in a cage. You never know how it's going to work. Yes. I mean, like you said, I wouldn't bet on the fight, but... I think uh, I'd go with lean towards the undefeated guy, obviously, but I will. This will be the first guy with Tony's style that he faces. Maybe I'm sensing a bet here. Dennis is so confident. Oof. So confident. Almost bordering on arrogance, but not in a bad way. But you'll understand this, Doc. You you put me with for- Ferguson I was going to say, time. he's almost underselling himself because like, I took Ferguson down. Like, All right, you, you probably could take Khabib down, possibly. Oh, I'd definitely take Khabib down. Yeah, you're underselling yourself. Yeah, but we're not talking about we're we're talking about what happens when when Khabib takes you down. Yes. When you're on the ground, Tony will keep moving. He won't stop. I know these guys, and like when the things like when we're they're doing these weird spins, and you just hold their leg over their head for one second and fist. You're talking about when like a guy hammer fist them when, when a guy goes like inverted inverted like that you know uh, you're not gonna hold me like okay I'm just gonna hold this leg on over your face and yeah I'm elbowing you or hammer fisting you you're not gonna get a ton of them but you're gonna get a few it's gonna stop him he's like whoa let me take a second and rethink about this whole you know well, rolling around upside down thing I don't know if that's gonna be his game to go inverted I just think he's gonna start his game is gonna be Elbow and punch the shit out of him. Sorry for the swear. Yeah. Once he Yo gets a dollar, dude. Once he gets on bottom, you're you guys are at sixteen dollars. No, we're shit. not sixteen. <laughs> I was at will, I was at seven. Collect. I was at seven before I stopped. Why you were keeping well, track? You didn't stop. Yes. I just didn't want to interrupt you or be a rude guest on your show. No, you've been a great guest, Doc. We appreciate the time. Oh, I love having Doc on. And everyone, all right, fellas. Nice make, to see you both. Make sure you check out Bad Guy Inc. With Chael Sonnen. And, Doc, if you have anything you want to say, you want to talk to me. I always want to talk to you. I'm all, I'm, I'm happy just to chat. You uh, guys are great. Oh, Menace tells me how he misses you all the time. You guys got to start talking, get together more. I don't know. He's just so far I feel away. The, I feel the same way. That's my dude right there. All right. So you're the man, Doc. Thank you again. You Ryan guys. Parsons, everybody. Love you, buddy.
dude, you see that? What? He didn't tell me he loved me back. Uh, he was ready to go. 